0: Hi, welcome to the Total Fit Bostic podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Parks. And joining me today is Sarah Anna Powers, a success coach and attorney turned entrepreneur who decided to step out on faith literally. She uses faith based principles to create expert messaging in business mentorship. Today, we're discussing how faith plays a part in business, the 4C framework from connection to conversion Welcome to the show, Sarah Anna. Hey Brittany, thank you so
1: much for having me on. I cannot wait to get this conversation started.
0: Yes, I am so glad to have you here because you've got some juicy topics. So let's just get (laughs) right on into it. Awesome. (laughs) Okay, so we both share our own faith stories and I believe that my relationship with Christ has been the only thing that's gotten me through some really tough times. So faith is always a touchy subject. Please share with us. How does faith play a part in business?
1: Yeah. So for me, my faith is really instrumental in, I I hope everything that I do and the way that I show up every day. And particularly in my business, my faith plays a foundational role. I identify as a Christian. I, I love Jesus. I believe in Jesus for my salvation, but no matter what someone believes spiritually, like there's no denying that having faith is something that, that really can propel you forward. So let me elaborate on that. I know we're going to talk about building a six-figure business while still holding down a full-time job. (laughs) And my background is as a civil litigator. So I was an attorney for eight and a half years before I fully transitioned into my business. And as soon as I started practicing as an attorney within the first year, I knew, oh, this is not my ultimate end game job. God has given me the skill set and I can do this job, but I don't feel like this It's not what I thought it was going to be. And I don't feel like this is really where I can best be utilized. It utilized like some parts of my unique giftings and talents, but not the full picture. And, and so I started practicing law in 2009, and in 2014, in the fall of that year, I hired my first business coach, and I really knew nothing, Brittany. Like I had read books, and I had maybe listened to some podcasts, but not even really business podcasts. Like I was so green. About a year and eight months, so I started my business officially, formed the LLC January one, 2015, and by October of 2016. I had made about a total of $2,150 in my business. And I had invested. I say that because it makes me feel better than saying I had spent, (laughs) I had invested more than $48,000. And as you can imagine, I felt like a failure with a capital F. And this is where the faith piece comes right. in though, because I was speaking. So every human, no matter what you believe spiritually, like we have the power to choose our thoughts. And that's something really unique for us as a human species. We're not pure instinct. Yes, we have that a level of instinct, but we also have a deeper level of awareness where we can actually observe what we're thinking and choose a different thought. Right now, if you are a Bible lover, there are verses that speak to that specifically. Renew your mind. Okay. So, the thoughts that I was allowing myself to think perpetually about myself I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'll be a success when I make six figures. Then I'll be a success. Mm -hmm. And I was a part of a coaching program that I had put on a no interest credit card because goodness knows I did not have the money to pay for it outright. (laughs) And we had a graduation event in London, England, and I got myself to that event. And that's the most frustrating part, Brittany, is that I was showing up. I was investing in the support. I was doing the work. I had good mentors who were giving me good advice. It just wasn't clicking. And so much of business success is faith, that faith that, it is possible for you. Okay. So I was at this event and our, the coach said, is there anyone who wants to volunteer for a hot seat at the front of the room? And I'm sure she was regretting that she opened that up to just anybody. When (laughs) I stood at the front of the room and said, I feel like a failure. That's like the opposite of what you would want to have happen at your event, right? Like have one of your clients who's invested thousands of dollars. I feel like a failure, but to, to her credit, she expertly coached me and dug deeper into the details. And who are you working with? And she could tell from my voice, like I wasn't serving. I started out as a health coach because I have a history of overcoming anorexia and binge eating. And my first coach heard my story and said, Oh, you should be a health coach. And I, I knew in my gut, that also wasn't the path for me, but I thought this person makes more money than I do. And so therefore I should just blindly do what they say. And that's not no knocks to her at all. She was an excellent coach. That was just me not being at the stage yet where I could stand up for what the Holy spirit was prompting in me, which was that I'm passionate about that, but that's not where I want to build a business. So right. I, even though I hadn't made money, I had where le- i had made like, you know, $2,150, some money, but not a ton. Right. but I had learned so much about growing a business. And she was able to pull out of me that I wanted to help other women grow a business, but I felt like I couldn't because I hadn't made six figures yet. So it becomes that chicken and egg question. If I'm not a success until I've made six figures, then, uh, How can I ever make six figures to become a success? (laughs) What I decided, and I had a choice in that moment, which was basically just give this up, be glad that you have two law licenses that you were smart enough to get and that you got a decent job that can pay your bills and then some, and just be content with that. And that's a message that we get a lot from the world be content. And it can be conflated with uh, gratitude. And you can be grateful for what you have and still desire more. Right. You can absolutely be content with exactly where God's placed you right now and still desire more. But I had that choice to hang it up and be content with being a lawyer and give up on my business or to say, you know what? I am going to choose to believe that I am already a success mm-hmm. and yes, <laughs> I'm a success because I am breathing and yes, they declare I'm, it. Yes. It is a big deal to be, to be made into a human. And then to survive, I've been like on this history kick where I've been reading a ton about the Tudor dynasty. And I mean, people died at 35, 40 years yes. old. And here I am still surviving, thriving. I am a success. And I decided that I was going to let go of my attachment to the time frame and just believe that if God had put this desire in my heart, it was meant for me and I was going to keep pursuing it. And it was going to happen. And when I switched my belief from I'm a failure because I haven't made six figures yet, of course, nobody wanted to work with me. Who wants to work (laughs) with somebody that thinks they're a failure, right? I switched that. And I was just like, I'm a success now. And I'm going to be fully honest. Like, I'm not going to claim that I've made six figures yet, but I'm going to say, I can help you build an email list. I can help you set up a Facebook ad. I can help you put together a package. And I'm going to start believing that I'm a success and having faith that, the, this, everything that I desire is on the way to me and I see it. So that is when everything turned around for me. And that next year we made, it was $128,000, not in sales, in cash received that next year while I was still working full-time. And it was faith. It was believing. Think of the metaphor of building a house. You don't just hire a construction crew and not give them any plans and say, build me a mansion, right? (laughs) It doesn't work. You have to have those plans drawn out. You have to see it and you have to impart that vision to that construction crew so that they can see it before that will actually be built. And even if you didn't draw it out on paper, somebody has to see it in their mind first, then we can put flesh and, and bones around it. But to me, like that is the key is the faith piece. And if you don't have faith that it's possible for you, it won't be possible for you. But when you have faith that it's possible for you, So much more than you ever imagined. When you can tap into that faith, so much more will be possible for you than
0: you ever dreamed. Oh, I totally agree. And even stepping out on faith on simple things, like a lot of times people question faith and all those different things like that. But when you do something simple, like just getting in your car to crank it up, you have faith that your car is going to crank up. <laughs> I love That's so true. Like sometimes if our car's on its last legs, we would, but on a
1: normal day, we're not like, please crank, please crank. We just believe it's going to crank.
0: Oh yeah. And we plan for tomorrow. Like we know it's here. Like we know we're going to wake up tomorrow. We, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. And it's <laughs> so interesting how we do those things. Yet we say, oh, I don't have faith. I don't have, I have very little faith or my faith is weak. No, we choose where we want to put our faith. And just like how you mentioned building, building a home and having those plans, it's not there yet. It, when they come and they bring the construction vehicles and everybody's working, it's not there yet. They, everybody's working in faith that this is going to come together and be an amazing home.
1: Yes. And I have one more thing I want to add on the topic of faith. This is something that I've talked about with one of my own mentors, James Wedmore, and he's got a really interesting perspective that that I actually agree with, which is that we all have faith. So many people have faith in the negative future possibility. Yes. So it's not a matter of not having faith. It's what is your faith in? Is your faith in the possibility and all the beautiful, bright vision of what you truly desire? Or is your faith in the worry, the doubt, the anxiety, the what ifs? Because you can create that too. You're so right.
0: Yes. Yes, we all have a choice to choose. And when, you know, what you're saying is so powerful. And I think that it's eye-opening to so many people, the conversation that we're having here, the fact that we do have a choice. And one of the things that you teach your students through your mentorship is the 4C framework from connection to conversion yes. whenever you, cause you mentioned bringing up, you mentioned having a six figure income and still working your full-time job. So you've yes. got to start somewhere. So can you start with us with the 4C framework from connection to conversion?
1: Yeah. And tying that into faith, it's if you didn't believe that you could at some point convert someone from a cold audience member into an actual paying client or customer, You're not going to be willing to do the things that it takes to move them through the framework that I'm about to share with you. So again, it all starts with the faith. Like it Mm. is possible for me to connect with someone that I've never met before. Like you and I connected on Instagram, right? Yeah. we never met in real life. We just, we both were showing up in our own respective ways and we formed this connection. And now here we are, we're getting to deepen that connection, right? So mm-hmm. it's about the faith that um, it's possible to actually connect with someone on a uh, deeper than surface level, and then it's possible to communicate the value of what you have to offer, and it's possible to actually turn them from that connection into an actual client or customer. I developed, so I teach messaging, by the way, <laughs> and I'm a conversion copywriter, and so I've worked for some incredible brands like Michael Hyatt and Co., Dr. Shannon Irvine, who's a well-known neuropsychologist who has online programs, Tricia Brook, who was a former TEDx Lincoln Square executive producer. I've been writing version copy for people in the online space since really at the end of 2017, when I made that shift was when I took my very first, sorry, 2016, was when I took my very first copy client. And then I've worked with literally more than a hundred done for you clients it's probably several hundred at this point and more than 8,000 students in my online messaging programs. And what I started to realize is that, well, for one thing, people underestimate the value of messaging. So when I'm talking with a, well,
0: obviously you do a fabulous job. You
1: are doing <laughs> amazing. Well, with, I'm, I'm so grateful to get to do the work that I do today. Cause I'm so passionate about it because I do believe that each one of us has a message and we have a unique perspective, a unique set of experiences that even if the core of our message might be similar to someone else's, we're going to present that. From a different lens, and there's space for everyone. And that's like that abundance mentality. But when there's really three parts to business, you need a, a great offer, or a great offer in front of the right audience, wrapped up in the right messaging. And so many people are focusing on building out this offer and building their platform, growing their Instagram following, running Facebook ads to get people on their email list, but they're neglecting their message. Mm, and so yeah. they may have an amazing offer that absolutely gets life-changing results. And they may even have it in front of an audience of people who need it and people who would, if they would sign up for it, would receive positive transformation as a result of that offer. But if they haven't dialed in their messaging, they won't be able to communicate the value of that offer to those ideal clients. And so it is a key piece and I actually make a case with my clients, because this is what I know to be true, that the messaging comes first. And when you are working on your messaging first, Then you're talking with your ideal audience and they are telling you what they want from you. And so you're able to create more irresistible offers because you're actually communicating with your customers. Imagine that. (laughs) And then you're able to attract more right fit customers because you're starting to um, talk about your offers in your customer's language, which is often different than your own language because. You're normally a step or several steps ahead of your customer because that's why they're coming to you. They want to be at that place where you are. You might be going, Okay, why are we talking about messaging? (laughs) That's great. You have a framework, but it's really important to have the context of this is why I focus on messaging when there are so many different aspects you can focus on in business. If you miss the message, You won't be able to sell the offers. And you can see examples of this where two students have taken the same, let's say a webinar course, and they have followed it step-by-step. And one student puts the webinar together and has a six-figure launch. And the other student follows the same course, puts the same webinar structure in place to the letter, writes the same style of sales page that the webinar course told them to, and they make no sales. Why is that? One of them knew how to communicate the message and the other didn't. So that's the importance of message. So the 4C framework, I'm just going to walk through these steps quickly. I really, we could spend an entire episode on every single step and we could do like a mega episode on every single. (laughs) So I'm going to keep it succinct. But the first step is connecting with your audience. And that is truly just showing up for them and showing up for them with clarity. So I talk with my students about developing uh, what I call an electric elevator pitch, where you're dialing in who you are, who you help with specificity and why that's important for them. So for example, in my own elevator pitch, I would say, Hey, I'm Sarah Anna powers. And I help online business owners create magnetic messaging so that they can attract quality leads and make consistent sales. And a lot of people, when they're giving their elevator pitch, they're giving a piece of that. So they might say, Hey, I'm Anna and I help online business owners create magnetic messaging. That's okay. But why do people care about creating magnetic messaging? My students care about it because they want better leads and they want more sales. So that's a piece that a lot of people uh, miss out on. And when we're talking about building connection, it's really important that you're clearly conveying who you are, who you help. So notice I said online business owners, not just business owners, because the work that I do is really, tailored. It can benefit brick and mortars, but it's tailored to the online space, which has its own unique challenges. So that is, yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it does. It's just, it's its own space and there's room for everybody. And there's people who are, who work on messaging specifically for brick and mortars. And so I, I really have tailored down the work that I do to help online service providers. Actually, I could even narrow it even more online business owners, like coaches, consultants, and course creators. So that's the, the first step of the framework, which is connect. And by the way, if you if we could give you a diagram of this framework, picture a triangle. And so there's a foundational base and then there are layers on top of it. That connection is your foundational base. Step two is my favorite step because it is the one that most people miss. And so when you know how to do it correctly, it will set you apart in your marketplace. And that is to create contrast between what I call the world of pain, where your clients are before they find you and the paradise of possibility where they long to travel to Mm. that your offer can help them reach. So you have to create the contrast for your clients, which means you have to both push into the pain and exacerbate the pain, but not to be mean to them, to help shake them out of shake them awake. Okay. Right. Cause we all buffer. We all, it's not always the easiest to be a grown adult human. Exactly. And not adulting today. <laughs> yeah. And so let's like, take a very easy example to pull from is like weight loss. Okay. Okay. I personally have put on about 10 pounds <laughs> last year. I'm not judging myself. Right. I still love myself. However, it happened. And you know, it's easy to numb out to that because like mm-hmm. it's like, I've still got enough clothes that are Lycra based and, or maybe have an elastic waistband. So I've still got enough clothes to fit in, but. What, but here's the thing, like I do, I actually hired a a coach recently to help me look at my nutrition, look at my sleep, look at my activity and make sure that I'm doing everything that I can do actually run some tests. Like I just found out, Oh, this is very heartbreaking, but I'm very sensitive to dairy. And that was something that was really like stressing my body and keeping me inflamed. So really doing my part to make a change because I started to realize, okay, 10 pounds is not that big of a deal. Honestly, I'm pretty tall. I'm five, seven. It's not that big of a deal, but if I'm gaining 10 pounds this year and I don't make a change and then I gain, and I'm 41, right? So <laughs> it starts to get a little easier to gain. And yes. so I'm getting 10- to get off fully. <laughs> I'm right there with you. And, but if I'm okay, 10 pounds this year, not a big deal, but 10 pounds next year and 10 pounds on top of that, the next year. And 10 pounds. And very quickly, if I really am thinking about if someone is wanting to help me get healthier, and by the way, they're excess pounds. Like, it's not, I'm not saying that gaining 10 pounds is always a bad thing. Like, sometimes you need to gain 10 pounds, but for me, it's extra weight that my frame doesn't necessarily need. It's important that someone who wants to help me be my healthiest self pushes into that pain a little bit and says, okay, like it's 10 pounds this year. I agree. Not that big of a deal, but what is it going to be like if you keep going the way that you've been going for the next two years? And then that's going to make me think, ah, I wouldn't fit into any of my clothes and I would definitely be huffing and puffing. And I, by the way, I want to have kids. I'm engaged. I want to have kids. Mm -hmm. That is that even going to be healthy for me to be an older (laughs) mom? Is that going to add like an extra layer of complication onto pregnancy? So Then I'm starting to feel my own internal urgency. And when we are trying to move a client from being a connection to actually being a, a paying client and a customer, and that's for their good, right? That's to get them into a service that we can provide that will help them. We have to tap into their own inner urgency and we have to get them to answer the question, why does this need to change now? And so that is why we push into the pain. It is not to be mean and obnoxious. And you've probably seen it done really poorly on a lot of sales pages where it just feels gross and slimy. So there really is like an art and a skill to it, but we have to push into the pain, but then we also have to paint the future possibility. Most people do one or the other of those things correctly, but very few people create the contrast on both sides vividly. Okay. And so most people are pushing into the pain and then they're trying to sell their offer and, you're, <laughs> and your clients. Great. I feel terrible now. Thanks a lot. They're not feeling like buying anything. You just made feel terrible. You have to push into the pain, but you also have to play up the possibility and say, okay, but like in the weight loss example, but what if for myself, I have a beautiful designer gown that I bought actually in London on a different trip. Once the business, it was actually a celebration designer dress that I treated myself to because we made our first six figures <laughs> and it was not cheap and it used to fit like a glove and now it does not zip. Someone could inspire me by Painting that vision possibility of remember that dress that you love, that's meaningful because it's a dress that signifies a big accomplishment in your life. And you haven't been able to wear it for the last year, but imagine going into your closet, pulling it off that beautiful velvet hanger, slipping it on. It's got this like gorgeous gold zipper, like gold. I it's probably like real gold, (laughs) certainly costs enough to be, and you zip it up and it fits better than it's ever fit before. And you put on your pink Prada pumps that I got to wear with it. And you just,
0: Oh my gosh, I want to wear the dress. So
1: then it's okay. They've shaken me out of my slumber. They've helped me see that 10 pounds may not feel like a big deal now, but if I just keep going that way, it's going to turn into a big deal. And then they pulled me to the vision and the possibility. Oh my gosh. Like I do miss that dress and I do want to wear that dress again. And I remember how great I felt in that dress and beyond just the dress, like that dress held meaning for me. It was a symbolic of an accomplishment. And I want, I, I I don't want to let that, I don't want to sell that in a secondhand store. I want Mm -hmm. that dress back on my body, darn it. And so then they've created the contrast. That's going to help me step into the support. That's going to get me a great result. That's step two of the framework. And I've been saying a lot of words, Brittany. So I want to pause and see if you, if you have any like clarifying questions or things that you think you're might be popping up in your listeners' minds as
0: I'm going through this. Basically, no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I'll say this majority of my audience has ADD or ADHD or focus problems. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying that it's, I've done that research, like they have focus problems or lack of concentration. And that's one reason why they are listening to the show. So just things that help keep them intact, that anything with that will be helpful, but no, you're doing fine. All right. So
1: we've gone through step one, which is connect with your audience. And then step two is paint that contrast for them between the world of pain that they're in right now and the paradise of possibility that they can experience when they get that support. And then step three is to call them to action. So that's the third C in the 4C framework. And what that means is you're clearly directing them as to what step they should be taking next. Okay. I've read there's different studies out there, but one of the most recent ones that I read said by the time an adult human gets to about 8 PM at night, we have made more than 35,000 decisions that is a lot of decisions, a lot of make. decisions. They're not always like life-changing decisions, right? They're like little things, which coffee mug am I getting? Which you know, right. pot am I putting in the coffee pot? How many cups am I going to drink? I mean, and when so am I going to get into that amazing
0: dress? You know, <laughs>
1: when am I going to wear that awesome dress as much as possible, We want to be the guide and be the leader for our clients and give them clear direction on their next step. So rather than being really vague with your calls to action, let's say in an email to your email list, you want to actually set it apart on a separate line and say, click here to book your call, Mm -hmm. (laughs) click here to see the details and enroll. And it sounds so basic, but you wouldn't believe the number of people who just, they just embed links. Like they're talking about their offer and they just highlight the name of the program and hyperlink it expecting that of course people will click on it. It's clearly hyperlinked. People don't know to click on it. Tell them to click on it. And the other piece of the call to action portion of the framework is to be consistently calling your audience to action. And what that means is you don't always have to be inviting them into a paid offer, but you still want to get them to take an action whenever you're posting on social or whenever you're emailing them, you want to give them an action to take. So maybe on social, it's tag three of your friends who like maybe you posted about an outfit and tag three of your best dressed friends, tag your style icons, give them something to do. And when you're talking about giving an action to your email list, I like to give them actions to do that will result in some sort of reward. Mm-hmm. So for example, one random Friday, the song bop got stuck in my head. Old <laughs> song by Hanson. I do bop. Anyways, I do not know why the song got stuck in my head, but it did. And so that was my Friday email to my list was, Hey guys, happy Friday. I hope you've got something really fun plans for your weekend. This old piece of nostalgia popped into my head today and made me super happy. Wanted to share it with you and hope that it gets your weekend started off on a joyful note. Click here to watch the video. And I literally just linked to the YouTube video of Hanson Mbop. And so it had nothing to do with selling an offer. It was just like a value add. It was connecting with my audience, giving them a little piece of my kind of weird and quirky personality that I would be just sitting in my house, singing bop on a Friday, <laughs> right? Like decades after it was popular. And Brittany, I got so much engagement from that email. So many replies like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this song. I used to love this song. Even one of my clients said, Oh my goodness. I grew up in the same town as them and their whole family is so kind. And it's so cool that they hit it big. It created such a level of connection that even shocked me. It don't be afraid to just be real. And truly, when I say connect, connect with your audience and call them to actions that aren't always just selling an offer, but that's going to add a smile to their day. And so that's step three of the framework. So we went through connect with your audience, contrast their world of pain with the paradise, of possibility they want to move to, and then call them to action consistently. And then if you do those three steps, your step four, converting them into a client is going to naturally happen. So Mm -hmm. that is the framework. And it's just something you can write it down on an index card and think about it when you're creating your marketing plan for your business, how can I really connect How can I highlight the difference between where my client is now and where they want to be? How can I call them to take an action that will help them support them or give them something good in return? And then that is going to lead to the conversion.
0: Gotcha. I know our audience is probably, they're just so excited to put this into play, especially those workers who are doing something on the side. They're starting a side gig. And let me just give you the numbers here because it's quite interesting because according to a recent survey with Bankrate, about 45% of the U.S. working population earn an extra income outside of their main career. So I think that is amazing because that's nearly half the population. But the problem is, how are you building something sustainable? So before you answer that question, I'd like to know what our audience is thinking. So if you're listening in real time, go to the IG stories at the Total Fit Boss Chick, and we're going to have this poll question posted Are you running your business as a side gig or are you running your business full-time? It could be a double full-time, but if you aren't listening in real-time, no worries. Check the IG highlights for the responses to the poll questions and you can still weigh in to see the results. Now, Anna, you got to let us know, how were you able to work a full-time job and make the six figures and have time to live your life. How was that? I'm going to be transparent with you. I didn't do a lot of extra
1: like life living (laughs) outside of, I do serve on the worship team at my church. So I was still singing. And for a time I was playing keyboards. I I play piano as well. So I did a little bit of that, but definitely a better singer than (laughs) I am keyboardist. That's for sure. So I kept that and I did, I love to jog and run. So I kept like, I moved my body, but I will say it pretty much was practicing law And building my business. So I did, I worked mornings, I worked evenings and I worked weekends, but really the key I would say is for sure, the faith we've already covered that, but also choosing the right niche. So when I teach niche with my clients, I do it like a Venn diagram where the circles overlap. And so if you can imagine three overlapping circles on a piece of paper, One circle would be choose something that you love and enjoy. You're not going to love every part of building your business. Like we all have to do some things that are just a little more mundane, but in general, you want to actually enjoy what you're doing. Otherwise, just keep your day job. Don't build a business that you don't enjoy. So find something that you love. That's circle number one. Circle number two is find something that you are great at or have the potential to become great at. And you're willing to put in the time, the energy, and possibly the money to invest in up-leveling your skills there, okay? And then the third circle is find something the marketplace will pay for, okay? So that's how I started offering copywriting. And if your audience isn't familiar with copywriting, I don't mean the legal form of copywriting, like protecting your intellectual property. (laughs) I mean, copywriting, like with a W-R-I-T-I-N-G, writing your words that sell. That's what I call copy is your words that sell your offers. And so when I was choosing where I was going to focus the spare time that I did have, I looked at what do I love? What am I great at or have the potential to become great at? And what will the market pay for? And where do those three things overlap? Okay. And so for me, I love writing. I was an English major. I was reading when I was five, just because my mom stayed home with me and read to me all the time. Mm -hmm. And I've been writing stories, poems, and then won writing awards at school. Okay. That's something I really enjoy. Okay. And then something that I'm great at. I knew that I was a great writer. I didn't know much about the skill of copywriting and direct response in the beginning of my business, but I knew that I had the potential to become great at copy. And I also knew that I was willing to invest the time and the energy and the money in getting the training that I needed to become great at writing copy. And I definitely knew the marketplace would pay for copy because one of my copywriting mentors, I started listening to his podcast and he was talking about having sold a sales page for 150 grand. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's really important. If you are trying to bring in a second income, make sure that you're giving some consideration to, do I actually like doing this? Am I good at this or willing to invest the time to become good at it? And does the marketplace value it? So that's really important that you're not, that you're not just going down the wrong path, banging your head against the table, trying to get, I use a a funny analogy about if you're carving little figurines out of matchboxes. You may love it and you may be great at it, but how much are you really going to be able to sell those for? I'm sure that there's an exception and there's someone who could sell those for lots and lots of money. But that's going to be more of an uphill battle. Then it's just about, it's just about taking the time that you have and just being consistent. Because I, some weeks, would have 20 hours in the mornings, in the nights, and on the weekends. And some weeks I might have three hours. If we were in a trial or I was doing a bunch of depositions that week, I might've had to put in 60 hours a week for my law job. And maybe I could put in two for my business, but it is just about being consistent because all those little actions Really look for free resources that will help you until you can grow to where you can set aside some funds to invest in paid resources. And I would say invest in paid resources too, because they can help you go further faster. And so that's really what I did. It's not glamorous and it certainly required diligent effort, but it also was the mindset shift of, Hey, I'm doing this now, but I'm not going to have to do this forever because this work is laying a foundation that is going to pay off. And by the time I did fully leave my law practice and transition to my business fully, my business was making 7 times a month what my law practice take home pay was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big difference. <laughs> and then it became, so that's what, that's the way I wanted to do it. Cause I'm conservative and like financially, I would say, I don't know, my, my bookkeepers might say I'm more of a risk taker, but cause my law background, we are okay with a certain level of risk. However, I have not been married and I have a mortgage. And so for me, I you hear people say leap in the net will appear. I always thought that was not the best advice, at least for me. <laughs> right. I don't want to leap and there's no net. What could we maybe like weave the net and lower it down and make sure that it's pulled taut and make
0: sure I can see it a little bit <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and jump. So for me, it was really important that I build the business to where it was sustainable before I transitioned. And honestly, that's why the business was making so much more than my law job by the time I finally was willing to leave. And the catalyst was really, there was a week that I, I turned away like $12,000 in business in a single week, purely because I did not have the bandwidth, like people wanted to hire me and pay me way more than I made in a month take home for my law salary, but I, I didn't have the capacity. And that's when I started to have to turn away projects because of my law job that would have made me way more money than my law job was making me. That's when I started to really see, ah, okay, this is sustainable. And now it's actually costing me money to stay in this day job.
0: Gotcha. Now, can you explain to everyone what it is that you are doing that is affording you seven times the salary of your law job?
1: I fully transitioned out of my law job in 2018. That's like a a part of the history of my story. But what I was doing to bring in that revenue is I was writing copy for other business owners. So I was writing and I still do that. I I just, I work with a smaller number of done for you clients now, because I have leveraged offers like courses and I have a copywriting certification program where I teach people the skill of copy so that they can build a business like I did and find that freedom that they desire. But I built the first six figures uh, in my business purely on writing copy for other business owners. So I would write their website copy. I would write their email nurture funnel, the series of emails that someone would get mm-hmm. when they pulled a, f- when they got a freebie, I would write those emails. I would write online launch copy. If your listeners are familiar with Jeff Walker, who has product launch formula, I connected with a couple people who were using his method. And there's a lot of copy that you have to have <laughs> if you use his method. And I raised my rate consistently. So the very first website, I wrote the whole thing for $697. And then I wrote two for $997. And then I wrote one for $1,200. And then I wrote one for 1,500. And then I wrote one for 2,500. I just kept up leveling my skills. And as I would up level my skills, I would up level my rates. And then by the time I had by the time I was transitioning out of my law job, I had just created my signature program magnetic messaging, which is really a program for online business owners to help you nail your message consistently across your website, gives you instruction on your funnel, your Facebook ads, uh, like a lot of different pieces of copy that you need. So you have a cohesive system. And I was selling that actually the first time I offered it, I sold it for four, nine, seven, and we sold a lot of them. (laughs) And so then I was able to see, okay, now I have also not only done for you copy, but I also have this leveraged asset that I can, that I can tap into.
0: So So let our audience know, how were you finding these customers? Did they just fall from out of thin air? How were you finding your customers? Yeah. Relationships and referrals for the copywriting clients really
1: just, I recommended like invest in paid programs because that is where I found other people who were serious about their business, who knew other people who needed a copywriter. And so I really built up those relationships and goes back to the 4C framework. I connected with people. Mm -hmm. I really was genuinely interested in helping people. And that's where a lot of my copywriting clients came from. I did eventually uh, run Facebook ads as I built out coaching offers. And that's, that's, I did start offering coaching programs in, in the fall of 2017, I started working with one-on-one business coaching clients. So that again was an additional revenue stream. And for that offer, I had the free opt-in. It was four success strategies, face centered women use daily. And I would show up, I ran, run a simple Facebook ad to that and move people through a nurture funnel and invite them onto a call. And then that's how I would sell, uh, coaching. And and I also would do a lot of free experiences. So I do a five day free training series, and then I would invite people into that and then give, and then people start to see, Oh, she really knows what she's talking about. She actually cares about people. (laughs) Let (laughs) me have a call with her. You know, if you're good at what you do and you deliver on what you promise, people will start to mention you and your name will start to circulate. And so that's how it really was like a ball rolling down a hill. It gathers momentum. It's once you just get that momentum going, it'll keep going. And then as long as you don't just
0: put your foot over it and grind it to a halt, it'll keep going. That is awesome. Oh my goodness. So that is a beautiful segue into our next segment. So if you can just relax and join us in the mentoring moment segment, because we love the mentoring moment segment, because it is the opportunity that we are able to go in just a little bit deeper and get your advice, your candid advice on just a random question that could help all of our listeners. So if you could speak only one word today, what would you say? If
1: I could speak one word, Mm -hmm. I would say, love. Beautiful, beautiful.
0: What does that resonate to you? Why?
1: So for me, because of my faith, because I am a believer in Jesus, I truly believe that he was a model of love and that we have a God who loves us and that we're made in the image of the divine. And we are called to love. We're called to be that model of compassion, empathy, brotherly, sisterly love, agape love, truly like caring about our fellow humans in a way that transcends whatever experiences each of us individually has that the ultimate call is to really love. And for, as a business owner, to love my customers, to love what they're up to in the world and to, to serve them also from a place of love.
0: Wow. That is amazing. And I know you guys all felt that love. So (laughs) please, I know everyone will want to get in touch with you and I'm going to put all your deets in the show notes, but please let everybody know your favorite spots to be found.
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. This has been so much fun, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me on the show and everyone who's still listening. (laughs) You're a rock star. Thank you so much for letting me hopefully speak some life into you and into your business today. And you can always find me online at sarahannapowers.com. There's no H on the Sarah, so it's dot com. I hang out on Instagram at that same name, so at Sarah Anna Powers. And I also have a free sales page template that you can download at sarahannapowers.com forward slash stellar sales page and that's just a free resource that'll help you if you have an online offer and you need some support in really laying that out in a way that the value is clear to your ideal clients but I would say Instagram like DM me and say hello tell me that you heard this podcast and tell me which piece resonated let me know how I can support you I'd love to connect on that more personal level beautiful beautiful
0: beautiful I love it Thank you so much. Thank you so much. As always, thanks for listening. And if you got value out of the show, please show us some love and rate us by going to ratethispodcast.com backslash chick. You're listening to the Total Fit Boss Chick podcast. Bye for now.